Hi everyone. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the Dollar Mentor podcast series. Dollar Mentor is a nonprofit organization. It's a small establishment with a big mission to serve the community by facilitating investment education to progress towards prosperity with confidence. Dollar Mentor is a completely volunteer-driven organization. Neither the organization nor the people running it receive any compensation or economic benefits from the activities. Dollar Mentor does not sell any goods, services, or products. Everything that Dollar Mentor has to offer to the community is completely free. All resources and content of Dollar Mentor, including this podcast, its website, its lectures, and mentoring are for educational and informational purposes only. Dollar Mentor does not provide any professional services, including advice on legal, investments, taxes, and similar things. For expert advice or assistance that's tailored to your specific situation, please consult a competent professional. For general education and learning, continue listening to the podcast. We hope you'll enjoy it and find it useful. Hey everyone, welcome to our second episode of 2022. I'm Shanjeev, the president of Dollar Mentor. With me are my usual partners in crime, Shovik, our treasurer, and Sid, our vice president and secretary. In our last episode, we introduced annuities and why it might be an interesting investment for some folks to consider. If you missed it, I suggest that you give it a listen. We covered the basic concepts of annuities and we hope that it was useful for the listeners. It was indeed useful. I shared it with someone in my family and asked for her feedback. She had no idea about annuities, but after listening to the episode, she had a good understanding. As I suspected, she wanted to learn more about annuities. I think today's follow-up episode will help answer those questions for her and any other listeners out there. I agree. The last episode was very informative. But before going to the dip, shouldn't we recap what was covered last time? Yeah, good idea. Sid, do you want to take a stab? Sure. Basically, what we learned is an annuity is an investment come insurance. You contribute into an annuity either by a lump sum amount one time or in smaller amounts over a period. Your invested contributions keep growing. At some point, you annuitize and start taking regular payments. Those payments last for your entire lifetime. You are insured to get a guaranteed payment for as long as you live. In a nutshell, annuity is your personal pension. Exactly. And let's let me give an example. If you have contributed to social security through your payroll taxes and if you qualify for social security benefits, then the retirement benefits of social security can be thought of as an annuity. Since the payment continues for rest of the year life, the longer you wait to start the payment, the bigger the monthly checks are going to be. In that case, does it even make sense to take the social security early and still invest in an annuity? 
in in most cases it makes better sense to defer social security payments for as long as possible presently it can be deferred up to age 70 that will maximize the social security payments for the rest of the lifetime remember that social security payments are also adjusted for inflation and the survivor continues getting the paychecks even after the primary recipient dies but commercial annuities do not have these extra features by default you can add these riders but then the annuity payment will drop or you will need to pay a higher premium to maintain the same payment either way deferring social security to increase the lifelong payout is typically a much cheaper option before considering annuities but in case the social security payments are not large enough even after deferring till age 70 then an annuity can be considered to boost the lifelong payment also for cost of living adjustments you can have a ladder of annuities for example you can have your first annuity that pays $1000 a month starting at age 70 you can then have a second annuity that pays $200 a month starting at age 75 and finally a third one that pays another $200 a month starting at age 80 that way your total monthly receipts go up every 5 years and hopefully that takes care of inflation for you correct you can have multiple annuities like you described said but again you'd consider annuities only if you value guaranteed income and you worry about your longevity risk that is the risk that you will have a longer life than you expected and therefore you might outlive your money if none of this apply to you then annuities are probably not a very relevant investment for you but even if someone is not worried about the longevity risk or does not need lifelong guaranteed income isn't annuity great for the tax sheltering it depends and in most cases the answer can be no the tax advantages of annuities are often overrated because the devil is in the details wait are there any tax benefits associated with annuities well there are some unique tax treatments for annuities but whether they are beneficial or not depends on the situation basically annuity is treated as a retirement product for tax purposes that means if you invest in an annuity you're putting in after tax dollars and i'm assuming that we are not talking about annuities offered within retirement accounts these contributions the earnings on these contributions are tax deferred just like any after tax ira contributions these ongoing earnings that is the interest and the dividends they are not taxed right away also there is no upper limit on an annuity con- contribution if you recall IRS do have an annual limit of contributions and this is why annuities are often touted as an unlimited tax shelter investment especially for high income investors so there is no upper limit on the contributions and earnings grow tax deferred i'm guessing there would be a 10% early withdrawal penalty for them other than that why do you say that this is not a big deal Well, this isn't quite like a Roth account where you contribute with your after-tax dollars and be done with paying taxes. 
the annuity earnings are only tax deferred which means when you take payments from your annuity you don't have to pay taxes on the portion of the payment which is your original after tax contribution but you do pay tax on the earnings portion of the payout but if my tax rate comes down by the time i start making withdrawals then there is still an advantage with tax deferrals right because i am not paying tax on the earnings in my high income years at least it depends on the type of investments and the nature of the earnings the annuity earning will always be taxed at the ordinary income rate which you know tends to be higher than qualified dividend rates so you lose the tax advantage if most of your earnings are coming through long term capital gains or qualified dividends if your entire earnings are interest income that is taxed at the ordinary income rate then there may be an advantage but even then that advantage might be offset if there is an ongoing fee for that annuity this is getting really interesting tell you what let's take a quick break now stay tuned and we'll be back soon When it comes to financial education and knowledge, many of us have a big misconception. We think that it's hard to learn about money and finance. It takes a lot of time, effort, and expertise. But is that really true? Do we need special knowledge for this? Let's think about it. Many things in life require us to have some basic knowledge. Take physical health, for example. We all want to live in good health. But do we need to be a doctor or a nutritionist to lead a healthy lifestyle? Sure, we need professional help when there's a health issue, but for the most part, the basics of healthy living are just common sense. Eat balanced meals, avoid eating too many junk foods, stay physically active, and do health checkups once in a while. These are some examples of common knowledge and sound habits. We already know these basics. If we can follow them, we do ourselves a big favor in terms of being healthy. Another example to consider is our emotional health. A key secret to happiness is to have good relationships with friends, family, coworkers, and other people in our lives. But do we need to become a psychologist or a professional counselor to learn how to be a good friend, a caring parent, or a loving partner? Again, we might need some professional guidance for specific situations. But for the most part, the essentials for a healthy emotional life are obvious. Show gratitude and care, listen to others, count your blessings and give back, nurture friendship, and avoid hurting others' feelings. These are some examples that we learn automatically through life lessons. These basic lessons take our relationships a long way. Financial health is not so different. All we need is basic common sense and some general knowledge. We'd need professional degrees if we wanted to pursue a career in financial industry or academics, but not for our everyday decisions. We'd need to spend hours in learning advanced topics and gaining deep knowledge about money and investments only if we wanted to pursue this as a hobby. Many people enjoy doing this and routinely spend a lot of time. But again, it's needed only if we want to make this our favorite pastime. For the rest of us, it requires very little effort to learn the things needed for a financially healthy and secure life. Things like making productive use of our time, living within our means, making financial goals, and investing for the future are some simple ideas. 
adopting these into our everyday life goes a long way towards our financial freedom. And now, back to the episode. Welcome back. Hope you all are enjoying the episode so far. Before the break, Sanjeev and I were debating about whether annuities are truly as tax advantageous as the annuity agents would have us believe. Sounds like it is highly debatable. To me, investing in annuities just for tax optimization doesn't seem to be a prudent decision. Anyways, let's shift our focus a bit from tax issues to the investment aspect of annuities. And my first question is, what are the different types of investments offered by annuities? The simplest form is fixed annuity. The funds are invested in the insurance company's general account, which typically includes safe investments. Think bonds. In this case, the investment risk is borne by the insurance company. And because these are stable investments, the return is consistent and tends to be a bit low. That's why the lifelong payment remains fixed, hence the name fixed annuity. Since there is something called a fixed annuity, I bet there is also something called a variable annuity. Yes, there is such a thing as a variable annuity. The funds in variable annuities are invested in the insurance company's separate accounts as opposed to the company's general account. The separate, ac the separate accounts invest in riskier assets and most commonly stocks. And there can be different separate accounts with different risk characteristics. And this is to cater to different investors who might have different risk tolerance levels. The payout of the annuities are tied to the performance of the investment funds in the specific separate account. Since the investment returns can vary from one year to the next, the annuity payouts can also vary. But over the long run, the general expectation is that the payout will rise from its initial amount. So the payment from variable annuity is no longer guaranteed anymore? No, it isn't. Unlike fixed annuity, where I said that the investment risk is borne by the insurance company, variable annuity basically passes on the investment risk to the annuity holder. The payout can be at risk if the market does poorly. But to keep a minimum payment going, there is often a hybrid annuity, where a portion of the annuity fund is held in the general account to produce a fixed payment, and the rest of the money is held in separate account whose payout may be volatile year over year. Hmm. What kind of funds are there for variable annuities? It depends on the insurance company and the specific separate account. Typically, most of these are actively managed stock or bond mutual funds. And as you can imagine, their expense ratios tend to be much higher. Low-cost funds and variable annuities don't usually go together. No wonder. Is that the reason annuities get such a bad reputation? That's one of the reasons. But the biggest issue with annuities are these products can be extremely complex. And this is probably something that's done on purpose. Because it takes enormous amount of time and patience for an investor to fully grasp all the details. 
If someone invests in an annuity and later realizes that it was a mistake, there is no easy way to get out of it. There can be surrender charges imposed by the insurance company and there can be early withdrawal penalty if applicable and those are slapped by the IRS. A lot of the investor's money goes into commissions and multiple layers of fees. And the worst part is the fees either tend to be hidden or they are presented in a manner such that the in investor doesn't get a good sense of how expensive the annuity product really is. That was my exact sentiment, even though I was not aware of all these details. Are all annuities like this? Well, if you go for plain vanilla simple products like single premium immediate annuities, the fees and the overhead costs are much less compared to the ones with many bells and whistles. Still, it's always prudent to research and know the product as much as possible before buying one. Hey, I have a question about investment return of the annuity. There is a fixed return and there is a variable return with expensive funds. But is there a middle ground like follows a passive index fund like S&P 500? Actually, there is something called an indexed annuity and it can be a reasonable compromise for folks who prefer guaranteed payments. But they can also benefit from positive market return. So let's consider an index annuity that is tied to the S&P 500 index. We'll call that market. If in a given year the market goes down, the annuity value stays the same. That is, the investor is protected from the downside risk. But if the market goes up, then the annuity value is increased by a percentage of the rest. This percentage is called the market participation rate. For example, if the annuity has a 60% market participation rate and the market goes up by 5%, then the annuity value increases by 3%, which is 60% of the 5% rise. So, if the market goes up by 30%, like it did in last year, the payment will go by the 18%. That's not bad. <laughs> you wish. There is also a cap on the market rise. For example, the annuity will likely have a cap of 8% or lower. That means even if the market rises by 30%, the investor's upside is capped to 8% only, coupled with the participation rate. So if the market goes up dramatically in some years, the benefit will not be passed on to the annuity holder. But on the flip side, if the market goes down, the payments are not reduced. Okay, makes sense. We covered a fair bit of ground about annuities. This should be enough for the most folks who are new to the annuities and want to get started. Hey Sid, do you think we missed anything? No, I think we covered the basics pretty well. But now I'm curious about how the index annuities actually work. I know I'm kind of getting a little bit into weeds here and I hope that's okay. This indexed annuity sounds very similar to buffered ETFs. Do they also use options behind the scenes? Yes, buffered ETFs are sometimes called defined outcome exchange traded funds. They also offer downside protection, but at the expense of giving up some up upside. So they tend to be a little bit more sophisticated than the index annuity investments, but both of them use options. So how does it work? Are they buying index call options instead of buying the actual stocks that make up the index? 
Well, conceptually, a simple implementation would involve three things. A zero coupon bond, a long at the money index call option, and a short out of the money index call option. Wait, let me explain these building blocks because not everyone familiar with them. A zero coupon bond is something that does not pay an ongoing interest, but it is sold at a discount. A zero coupon bond with $1000 face value and a 5% interest rate is sold at a $950. When the bond matures, the investor gets the $1000. Now, a call option gives a right to buy the underlying asset at the strike price of the option. If the underlying assets drops below the strike price, then the call buyer has no obligation to buy it. But on the other hand, if the asset goes up above the strike price, then the call option is profitable. A long call option means someone has brought the call option and had no downside risk. But there is a potential of making a profit when the underlying asset goes up. Right. And a short call option is just the opposite of a long call option. It means someone must give away the underlying asset if it goes above the strike price. So, if I buy an at the money call option and simultaneously sell an out of the money call option it would mean that i will have no downside risk if the underlying goes below the current price but if the underlying goes up i will profit from the long call but the profit will be capped because i also sold another call together these two call options one long call and one short call they constitute something called a debit call spread all right let me guess how these building blocks can be used to implement something like an index annuity say i have a thousand dollars to invest i'd first buy a zero coupon bond with a face value of thousand dollars that would cost me 950 dollars and i have the guarantee that i'll get back thousand dollars when the bond matures with the remaining 50 dollars I'll then go ahead and buy a call spread on the index. If the index drops, then the spread will be worthless. But I still have the $1000 from the maturing bond. If the index rises, then I'd have the $1000 plus the extra profit from the call spread. Is that how it works? Bingo. That's the basic implementation. And there are quite a few factors, for example, the interest rate, the price of the options, etc. And this will determine how many such call spreads you can buy and what might be the strike price of the short call. In other words, the current market conditions will determine the market participation rate as well as the cap. This is so cool. It's great that there are annuity products that implement such schemes. I'm pretty sure that an extra fees to manage this. But all said and done, this is quite an innovation. Yeah. Annuity is a great financial innovation and it solves some genuine problems for certain investors. But like everything else in the financial market, it all boils down to cost. Annuity products that are reasonably priced and transparent in nature can go a long way. And I am hoping that we will see more cost-effective and sensible annuity products in the future and the bad reputation about annuities will eventually become a thing of the past. This was a fascinating discussion. 
I personally learned a lot about annuities. And I hope our listeners found this episode useful too. With that, let's call it a wrap. Thank you all for listening and we hope to present our next episode soon. Until then, stay safe. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope it was helpful. If you want to know more about Dollar Mentor or have any questions, please visit www.dollarmentor.org or shoot us an email at contact at dollarmentor.org. Please remember that this podcast was not individually tailored investment advice or any other professional advice, but was strictly for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes. Stay safe, and we hope to have you back again for the next episode.